fall into place perfectly. When we look at this particular scripture here and the ones in, 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 in the other gospels that deal with the birth of Christ, we see the greatest demonstration of love that we can ever find. Because in this we find how much God gave in order to assure us forgiveness of our sins and reconciliation to a right relationship with him. So when we look at what happens in the birth of Christ, we see what was really given. Nobody in here, nobody I don't think in here would just go on and head and say, you know what, I'm going to take my child, my only child, and I'm going to purposely bring this child to, to, to birth in this earth. And I'm going to go ahead and send him or her to die for these people here. I'm going to watch them grow up. And then I'm going to be the one to sentence them to that death that they're going to die for those people. I don't think any of us would do that. But God, in his infinite love, in his infinite greatness, he goes on ahead and demonstrates for us this wonderful love. Now, this is obviously not the beginning of this demonstration because the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. And I share that because... It's important for us to realize that Jesus Christ wasn't a response to sin. Hello. Jesus Christ didn't come. God wasn't responding to something like, oops, I didn't know this was going to happen, so I'm just going to, you know, now I'm going to fix or shift something. That isn't what happened. God, from eternity past, he knew that when he put Adam and Eve in that garden, that Eve was going to go on ahead, listen to the serpent, eat of the fruit, give it to her husband. They were going to now become sinful. They were going to get kicked out of the garden, and now the rest of humanity was going to be sinful by nature. He knew all of that. And so Jesus was part of this plan the whole time. But what we see in the birth is we see the beginning step of the fulfillment of this great plan. This historical account begins with this birth. It shows us glimpses of the life of Christ and parts of his three-year ministry. It ends with a crucifixion, a burial, resurrection, and an ascension into heaven. And what it does is it shows us the start of the greatest outreach initiative ever. Did you hear me? We're talking about reaching others today, amen? Amen. And when we look at the birth of Christ, this is what it shows us. It begins to show us God going on ahead and he is releasing a global outreach because we know that the Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Hallelujah. And so what does he want to do? He wants to reach the world with the power of his son. But understand this, church, this is not just supposed to be a global outreach initiative. It is supposed to be a general generational outreach initiative, meaning that every generation should take up the baton and say, you know what, my Savior started this in a manger, and he went ahead and he passed the baton onto his apostles and the church, and they passed it on. And so generation after generation, we have the wonderful privilege to unite with God and be partners with him in this outreach event that he initiated over 2,000 years ago. Is that not awesome, church? And so nothing that we do can outdo his initiative, but we can go on ahead and we can make a mark in the days and in the lives of those which God has placed us in. And so today I want to talk about the greatest outreach plan, which we see unfolding in the birth of our Savior. And the first thing I would ask for you to repeat after me is this, in order to be effective in outreach, we must have passion or a driving force. 
And what I did was when I was sitting down and I was meditating on this message, the Holy Spirit began to show me some components to God's outreach plan. He showed me these things and said, this is exactly what every person, if you or I plan to be effective in reaching out to others, we've got to have these components operating in our lives. And the first component is this. We have got to have passion. We've got to have something driving us, a motivation. Again, John 3.16 shows us that the motivation was this. For God so loved, then God gave. There was action that came with this love. God has this love, that agape love. I was looking that word up and I began to, you know, just try to meditate on this and, 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 and just grasp this, this love that God places within us in the ability to do. And, you know, we, we all have this ability to love. As I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, listen, when you love someone who is your friend, you haven't done anything more than sinners do. And so we all have this. God has placed inside of every one of his creation the ability to agape. But here's, here's what agape means. It is a love that is not based on emotion. It is a love that is based on will. It is a love that is not, you don't love because of what you get in return. When you're loving, that's what you're getting. That is where your fulfillment is. And you see this because, you know, sometimes we think certain folks are crazy because people aren't the best for them. You know, we see that, but they don't. Amen. Hallelujah. They have this significant other that they seem to love no matter what. They, 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 they will not stop loving. They, they, they have a will. You, 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 we, what we're doing is we're looking at it and saying, well, hold on a second. What are you getting out of this? What they're getting out of it is that when they're loving, that's where their payment comes. Their payment doesn't come on these other, on these other things there. Here's the thing. That's why Jesus said that sin will abound in these last days and the love, the agape of many will grow cold. The will to love will grow cold. So here's what happens. While we are connected to God Almighty, here Here's, here's what he does inside of our hearts. He continues to deal with our will. He continues to deal with our desires. He continues to deal with us. So when we get offended, when someone does something wrong to us, we are able to forgive them and continue to love them. Why? Because God has altered our will, and every time we get into his presence, he continues to align our will to his will. Glory. I'm, I don't know. I'm just preaching to myself today. Glory to God. But but he gets, he, he, he gets us in line with his will and so it becomes the same exact thing with God Almighty God wills to love therefore he's mo you cannot alter his will hello somebody did, did you know that you you cannot alter his will to love he is going to love because that is what he's going to do and when we align with him what he does in our hearts is he re is, is he removes the offense that affects our will what happens in marriages I hear this, you know, once in a while. I love them. I'm just not in love with them. Okay. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just baffled at that statement every time I hear it, you know. But, but anyway, what happens is when you first met that loving handsome, robust man of God. <laughs> he, was, he, he, he was all that. He was all that and some. He was a bag of chips and a change. I mean, he was, mm-hmm, and a soda. 
The value man you supersize. You know what I'm saying? He, he was, right, for the low low of agape. <laughs> See, he's, he's, he's motivating me here, right? Listen, I got to be done by 12 because we got to get to this Christmas in the city, so no more motivation, all right? Praise the Lord. Listen, so, so this wonderful person couldn't say anything to offend you, couldn't do anything you couldn't forgive them for. And as time progressed, the little stuff that they started doing, little thing they started saying, began to affect what? Began to affect your will. Hear me now, church. Began to affect your will. See, because we are Christians. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a Christian. Therefore, you have a higher standard of love. Higher than the novelas. Soap operas. Higher than the soap operas, okay? Higher standard, all this. Oh, I just feel all this. Hold on a second. What happens is when, when, when things begin to change, my will becomes altered. That is the reason why we have got to be in the presence of God. Because as we remain in the presence of God, he is able to help us to do what? To remain with that in love thing. Hello, somebody. And to, to remain with those feelings that are, are wanting to love, wanting to do, wanting to be involved and engaged. Not just like whatever. No, no, no. You hear me, church? This is what God's motivation is. It's a love that is a love of his will. He gets, he gets, he gets out of when he, when he, dem listen, God's, God's, he amazes me because where God is satisfied the most is when he can do something for you. You, 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 you didn't get that. Where God is satisfied the most is not when you do something for him. It is when he does something for you. That is where his satisfaction is. I was able to love on my son. I was able to love on my daughter. My, that's the reason why it is so important for us to be in alignment with him. Because when we walk in alignment with him, he is able to do much for us. Hello, it's called being blessed. Amen. And that, 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 that's where God's satisfaction is. But that is his motivation. His motivation is there. It is that he loves us. God's love for his creation was, and it is the driving force behind his out, outreach. Now hear me, church. Without love or passion or that driving force for something, there will be no effort made to accomplish a thing or to reach something. But when you have a passion, when you have that driving force, no height is too high, no cost is too much and no burden is too heavy for you to endure what it is that you love. Hello. So the first thing, church, if we are going to be reaching others in an effective manner, the first thing we got to have is we've got to have the love of God motivating us. Being in his presence, seeing what he does. When you look at these people that come to Jesus, blind people, leprous people, women with the issue of blood. You see all of these people that come to him and they are just desperately needy of a touch of God. And you see God's heart. What does he do? Does he tell them, get away from me? I don't want you to touch me. Is that what he does? No. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring wholeness to those lives. And you know what? We remember 2,000 years plus ago, that baby lied in that manger, went through all the things that he went through, passed the baton, and now guess whose responsibility is to run with it? It is ours. 
We have this privilege to run with this baton to bring the same change into our days as Jesus brought during his days. Amen? The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that the things that I do and greater, you will do. So if we would simply connect with him, we would walk in the greater. Amen? Important, important for us to walk with that. The second thing I need you to repeat after me is in order. To be faithful in outreach, we must be humble. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. How did this plan work out? Well, he had this love, but in order for this love to be manifested, there was something that had to happen. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 through 11, when you got to say so. And it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, let's pause for a moment. This is very important because the Apostle Paul is giving an instruction to the church, and he's saying, listen, let this mind, let this thought process be in you, the same one that was in Jesus Christ. So part of this plan being worked out, we see here in verse 6, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even the death of the cross therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that's why I love singing that song, Jesus is the Lord, glory to God. Because we are simply obeying what the scripture says are, is supposed to happen, especially in our lives. Because we are the ones that have been illuminated. But notice what it says. It says that he made himself of no reputation. I love that. He made himself of no reputation. Literally, in the Greek, what that means is he emptied himself up of, of whatever he was full of. Hello. See, some of us in the church need to empty ourselves because we're full of some stuff. Mm -hmm. We're full of ourselves. Amen. We, 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 we think we are all that and a bag of chips, supersized, all that, soda, extra, got stuff coming in, just bring it on. We, we just think that's us. Listen, it is important, church, important that we, you know, I, we, we got to understand who we are in Christ, but we need to understand we are that because we are in him. Did you hear me? See, when you understand that you are all that because you are in him, it's a whole different thing. Because now you understand that it ain't about you because you ain't that great. But you understand that he is the great I am. The king of glory, the one who has given us everything that we have. And so Jesus emptied himself of all the glory to do what? What was the purpose of this? Was it because he was just trying to make a point? No, because he was trying to reach humanity. 
He became of no reputation, emptied himself. He, rem- he was already seated up in glory, already surrounded by angels, already ha- all of that was already taking place. And he went on ahead and said, look, I am going to come to this earth and I am going to die in their place. And you know what? It isn't like he didn't struggle because trust me, church, when you read about him in the Garden of Gethsemane and you listen, and you, you know, you listen with your spirit and your heart to the cry of our Savior when he got down before his father and he said, Father, if you can pass this cup away from me, then do it, but not my will, but your will be done. And he didn't say it one time. He didn't say it two times. He said it three times, which we know is a number that symbolizes some completion. And so he was totally overwhelmed and overtaken, church, by what? By a despair. The weight of sin was on him, and he was feeling that weight, and yet he said, God the Father, this weight is nothing in comparison to what I'm going to experience when I go to that cross. And that's what he did for who? You and me. That's why he says, let this mind be in you that was in him. Have the same mindset. Make yourself of no reputation. See, here's the problem. Too many times our reputation, our pride, or our agendas get in the way of us sharing Christ with others. Sitting down with someone one day, having a conversation, you know, business owner, stuff like that. As I'm having this conversation, now see, it's one thing when you work for a company that has certain rules. It's a whole different thing when you are a business owner. Why? Because you make the rules. Hello, somebody. Therefore, nobody can come in and find you because you said the name of Jesus. You know what? You know what's the worst thing that can happen? Is someone could get offended when you say the name of Jesus and not give you their business. But my question is, what is more important for you, their business or your Savior? Conversation, talking about, you know, a person sitting in the office or whatever the case was, felt, you know, they, 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 were, they, they, they were struggling with should I share the truth? Or just, you know, just deal with business. Listen, listen, church. You cannot disconnect your Christ from your daily life. Hear me. You cannot just say, well, Lord, I'm going to put you on the back shelf. Because you know what? Here's, here's the thing, church. Someone can walk out of your presence at that moment, and that can be their last opportunity to receive salvation. And guess what? You missed it because you were caught up in other things. Worried about a reputation, worried about who's around, having pride or worrying about business, how much money you're going to make or you could forsake if you decide to share Christ and this person gets offended. Hear me. Sometimes our own agendas get in the way. That's the reason why we've got to walk in humility. Because when we walk in humility, we will be faithful. Why? What does that mean to be, you know, humble? It means that I am submitted to the agenda of another. Hear me. When I'm walking in humility before my God and my Savior, I am walking according to his agenda, not my own. He's leading the way. I'm simply following. I use the analogy of, of, my, of my little dog that I am teaching to walk on a leash, glory to God. See, there's two choices in this matter. She can walk me or I can walk her. And trust me, I'm walking her. Amen. We're not going to play them games. She's going to walk right next to me. She ain't going to be leading me. When she gets a little crazy, I'm going to snap and be like, oh, oh slow that down, sister. You're the only one I can put on a leash in my house, glory to God. So trust me. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I love you, babe. You know I wouldn't put you on a leash. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, listen. But here's here's the the point. See, because I love the dog whisperer, you know, because he's a funny guy, you know, know, all that good stuff, right? So anyway, his whole point is, you gotta get, you gotta be the leader, right, of your pack. And so what does that mean? That means that your dog follows your lead. 
If not, then they're the leader. Now, here's the thing. We're not dogs, and I'm not saying that. But when we are really submissive and really yielded to the will of God, it requires humility. And so when we're walking in humility, then guess what? I no longer have an agenda except for one thing. I no longer have a pride except for one thing, and it is this. I have one primary goal in my life, and it is to make sure that every chance I get, the light of Jesus Christ is shining brightly. That, that, that's my question. The way that I treat my spouse, is the light of Jesus Christ shining brightly at this moment using these words? Hello, somebody. Using that tone, and, and I, I will tell you right now, there's been plenty of times that I use the wrong tone. I don't, I don't curse. That's not an issue of mine. But there's plenty of times that I use the wrong tone or I'm a little snappy, and I realize, boy, the light ain't shining. It's dim up in here. And in the moment, I'm, like, good with the dimness. I'm, like, I'm good with this right now, but then later on, I got to repent, you know. I'm just confessing because, you know, sometimes we sit there like, you know, we're all sanctified, holy, filled with the Holy Ghost. Ain't nothing wrong with us. Look, I'm letting you know. I, I ain't got it all together. But here's what happens. When you are really walking in that humility, you're really walking in that submission unto the Lord. When you are out there in this world, the way that you do if you're in school, the way you do with schoolwork, the way that you deal with teachers, the way you deal with administrators, the way you deal with your bosses, the way you deal with your employees, the way that you deal with your peers, the way that you deal with your neighbors, the way that you deal with everything is a reflection of Christ. And so what we can do is we can glorify him. He said it clearly. The apostle Paul said, give him glory in what? When you're eating and when you're drinking and the most minimal things make sure you are giving him glory hello and so what is our responsibility as children of God well we should make sure that light is shining brightly for Jesus Christ that we are not doing anything to dim that light but that's not going to happen when you are not walking in true submission and in humility unto his plan and so the first thing we got to have is passion the second thing we got to have is we've got to be able to walk in humility the third thing please repeat after me in order to be consistent in outreach we must be intentional this is one of my favorite words, and it, and, and it, is, it is something that is so just driven throughout the Gospels. It's not like Jesus sat down necessarily and wrote it down for us so we could see, okay, this is the plan. Or No, no, that, that isn't the way that it happened. But if you watch his lifestyle, you watch everything that he did. I mean, even going to the woman at the well in, in, in Samaria, he had to go through that. He didn't necessarily have to go that route, but something was driving him. Why? Because he was submitted to a divine plan. So when you see his life, he had a plan. What was his plan? He makes it clear. When these people came to him that weren't Jewish, he said, listen, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That was the plan of God for him to go out there and preach the gospel. When he sent his disciples out before the ascension, what does he tell them? He says, don't go anywhere except to Israel and communicate to them. What is he saying? He's saying, here is the plan, and this is the way that it's going to be done. He gives us that plan. Well, when he moves on after he's crucified and resurrected and before he ascends into heaven, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power that they are going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria unto all the world. And so now what do we see? In this little moment of time, in this one sentence that he says, we see the next part of the plan. And you know what he tells them? You're going to start here. You're going to move here. You're going to move to the next place. And this is what you're going to do. You know what you find in the book of Acts? You find in the book of Acts a people that the scriptures teach us and tell us that when these people were spread out because of persecution, they didn't go 
and twiddle their thumbs in a corner. No, the Bible says that when they went out, they began to preach everywhere. Not the apostles, the church. Why? Because the church was on the agenda and the plan of God. Because God is not sitting up in heaven without plans. He has plans. The question is, are we on that plan? Is my life on his plan? Or am I on my own plan? See, the reason why this is important, church, is because for too long, the church has hoped evangelism would happen rather than crying out to God for a burden for souls, crying out to God for those souls to be saved, and then as they're crying out to God for a burden, crying out for specific people, then beginning to target them and going and communicating the gospel with them every opportunity that happens, church. This is what should be the lifestyle of a child of God who is truly connected to that love of God who is truly connected in that relationship your life should not be fulfilled hear me our lives should not be fulfilled if we are not sharing Christ with others I don't know who the preacher was he one of these old-time preachers maybe it was Smith Wigglesworth one of these guys and they had a commitment. And, you know, when I read about these guys, I'm always so humbled because I'm like, man, I am a piece of garbage. And, I mean, I'm ser- serious. You know, I, I read, I, I'm just like, man, I'm just, come on, man. These guys were, ser- I mean, serious, serious guys. I, I, I was sharing with, 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 with a couple, and, and I, was, I was sharing how this, this one guy, he, listen, he watched TV. No, forget that. This dude wouldn't even read newspaper. He wouldn't even read the news. The only thing he read was his Bible. And you want to know what used to happen? I'm going to tell you what used to happen. This brother got up, preached a message on sinners in the hand of an angry God. The people who were sitting in the pews were holding on to the pews because they could feel hell. They literally felt the conviction. The fear of God was so great. You want to know? They didn't end there. It wasn't just the people there. But after he was done preaching, all throughout that day, you know what people were doing? People were going to the police station, turning themselves in, confessing what they had done wrong. Because of what? They heard the message? No. Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so great. This same man would walk into factories, not say a word. And as he was walking down the aisle, people would begin crying and weeping because of what? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit that was with him. That is what it is to carry the glory of God. But we're too busy trying to be cute. We're too busy trying to stay up to date and all that stuff. Listen, if we will just get on our face before Almighty God, preaching like this will be nothing. It is, you will want God more than anything and be out there changing the world. That's what these folks did. Seeking the face of God, going after him. And this other gentleman, it might have been the same one, he had a devotion that he would not go to bed without sharing the gospel with at least one person. He's at home, laying in the bed. You know, he could have have easily done what I have done. I ain't going to blame you because I know none of you do this. It's just me. I have my devotion. You know, I'm going to read, you know, my scriptures every night. Lay down in the bed, you realize, man, I didn't read the scripture today. Lord, you understand I'm tired. There you go. I guess someone else has done this as well. Thank you for confessing, hallelujah. Joining me, glory to God, in my sinfulness. But this man, in his bed, ready to go to sleep realizes you didn't share the gospel with anyone today. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. What does he do? It's too late? Nope. 
got up, put his coat on, went outside, found a homeless person, shared the gospel with them. What am I saying? That you got to have those kind of devotions? I wish we all did. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't, church. Because you know what? When we look at where the church is today and we compare who God is to what we're seeing, I would say we need all of that. I would say we really need a people who are devoted that way. A people who would truly be humbled before their God. A people who would truly recognize how almighty he is. And you know why I share this story? Because sometimes we look at our Bibles and we think that this is just a historical document. And so what we see there, we can't grasp it. This was only a couple hundred years ago, church. And I said this, I think I said it in, in, in the newsletter. God hasn't changed. The people he's working with has. And so the question is this. Are you really within that agenda? Are you really committed to that agenda that God is committed to? Are you part of the greatest outreach plan ever initiated? And if you're not, then what's stopping you? So I'll stand to our feet and bow your heads, please. Father, I come before you today, Lord God. And Lord, I'm convicted first, Lord God, of how far, how far we need to go, Lord. But we understand that you remain the same yesterday, today, and forevermore.